<laughs> so, <laughs> no, he like, drops he drops a couple of f bombs. Yeah, well, a, 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 in the song. He says fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, you know the new the new yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. death bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like oh my word. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Community Notice Board, a podcast about suburbs we grew up in, local landmarks, hometown heroes, and coming-of-age tales. We're still in lockdown, so we're still doing bits of Australiana, so to speak, and this week we've got music festivals, and who better to do music festivals with than beloved former guest and queen of the muzz, Rosie Piper. <laughs> How yeah, are you, Rosie? G'day. Uh, I'm, I'm all right. I hate lockdown heaps. Have we all dumped up Pinger for the music festival? <laughs> 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 you were like, pull one out for your homies? Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a sniffer dog walk past my house. So I shelved like eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually have some good stuff on the, the sniffer dogs already because I want to start with uh, the best music festival in the world, rest in peace, Stereosonic. Because um, <laughs> I found this great article about uh, the lengths that people will go to to smuggle in drugs to their music festival. And it mm-hmm. says, two Sydney men have allegedly gone to drastic lengths to sneak illegal drugs in the Stereosonic by trying to hide them around the venue days before the festival. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what, yeah. they, they, they drew a map with an X and then they put it upside down. <laughs> yeah. And they got, yeah. A lot of people fairly, do that. Yeah, and it said, fairly warned be ye, says I. <laughs> and, but then, and then they, they walk around old... the festival, you know, and everyone's like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're geocaching. <laughs> it's a, it's a I've, heard, I've heard stories of that. It was like, I can't remember which festival it was, but like, it was one of the ones where like all the stages and everything had been in the same places for years and years so these guys went and like buried like two like 1.25 litre bottles of Smirnoff and then that year they decided to kind of like move where the festival was and they turned up and there was just a stage built on top of where they buried <laughs> oh, the fucker oh man <laughs> telling me there's some buried treasure somewhere out in the Olympic <laughs> Park with Drew's getting his metal detector right now <laughs> conversely I, I would be the only one at Stereosonic Festival and people would be like you're looking for pingers I'm like no bottle caps can you take this to the recycling plant save the planet but so, some sort of mazda button here <laughs> but so what so apparently with this stereosonic thing police were called like twice in the week leading up to stereosonic because they found a bloke drilling holes in a building trying to smash ecstasy pills into them <laughs> so this 25 year old was caught with a drill just drilling into a building so he could put in his saddie bag full of drugs in there Man, and just, they, just put them in a condom and stick it up your date. Like, yeah. so <laughs> it's so much easier. He's so, shelving, but he's building a shelf. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it is, That's I his mean, cover story. So then that guy. So after that, so that guy like obviously got arrested, and they found like a bunch of pills on him. And then like a few days later, they found someone else casing the the center. Like. I, it didn't say what he was doing, but I would love it if he was just like digging with like a shovel. That would be my favorite thing in the world. And but they they found this other guy, and he had ninety five ecstasy tablets, and he was trying to you know spread them around to different areas so that like there were different caches of bickies around that he could smash during the day, like finding ammo in Call of Duty or something. Yeah, you know? how cool! Yeah, how cool is that? 
I'm waiting for drones and shit. That, that, that'll be the thing. Like someone will mm. just have a drone, oh, yeah. drop a little parachute down, you know, like an army man parachute down with a bundle of dingers. That would be... The first person I, who does that will be a hero. I yeah. did a particularly kind of uh, sad one once where I went to a laneway festival once and it was it was back when I, I didn't, mind, didn't mind smoking a bit of the wacky tobacco. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and like, I'd been the year before and there were a ton of sniffer dogs there. So I'd read that like a good way to do it was to disguise it with garlic. So like I rolled a bunch of joints, put them in like uh, a, a thing of like aluminium foil, then like chopped some garlic up and like put that on the foil, then put more foil around it and then like put it on my shoulder. So when I walked in, like it was like h- too high up for sniffer dogs to get. <laughs> <laughs> This is just Man. my. Which is really <laughs> fucked because it just meant that my hands got so sticky when I decided I wanted some of that sticky, icky, icky. <laughs> no, officer. This is my emergency gozlimi for when I, <laughs> I need that. I need that feta and spinach. Would have been the most intense munchies ever when you're just like, oh no, I just feel like a naan now. You know. <laughs> I found after the serotonic thing, I went down a kind of rabbit hole about like best ways to smuggle drugs into music festivals <laughs> and a surprising amount of them are concerning australian music festivals and there's also a surprising amount of americans on reddit who are like can i smuggle drugs into this festival and a bunch of australians being like mate you're a dead shit hey like not on reddit <laughs> oh, but, <right>. uh, <laughs> but um but. so it, it seems kind of like it's it's its own olympic sport and there are a bunch of articles i found so here were some of the best ones and whether they <laughs> s- failed or succeeded and the first one i love man smothers penis and balls in vegemite <laughs> And then cling wraps the pingers to his penis and paws, and he's caught by the police. So the police make him pull down his pants, and his dick and balls are just covered in Vegemite. And like the cop was quoted in an article as being like, "They think the sniffer dogs can't get him." Wrong. And it's just like, man, pretty embarrassing to get caught like as is. But imagine like afterwards, just being like, "Yeah, I did it." I did it so I could get a gobby from the dog as well. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really preempting the yeast infection with Vegemite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably uh, the smallest BBC that's ever been on record. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be funny. Like, there's five mates, and like four of them have got done the Vegemite trick, and the cops are pulling their pants down. The last guy's got just lathered in peanut butter, and he's like, "Wow." I mean, it could be a thing where like ten guys are just like, "Yeah, man, the way to smuggle drugs." in is that you've got to put Vegemite all over your penis and balls <laughs> wink and then like yeah. they all just stroll in with it up their ass and then some guys I've, like I've heard that I don't know how true it is probably not uh, doesn't count for weed but they're like sniffer dogs can't smell most drugs and that they're used really to psych people out and people's reaction to the dogs when they get nervous and they get all antsy the cops are trained to look for that and basically give a signal for the dog to sit down on people who look a bit antsy and then like basically they're they're more effective in that way than actually the dog's bound to smell through your fucking vegemite balls right well just to give them like probable cause to strip search a 13 year old yeah Yeah, well yeah i mean it's it's more just like you know if you've got yeah if you've got like your ass packed with fucking peanut butter and 
a bunch of drugs up there and you see a sniffer dog, you're probably going to panic more than the guy next <laughs> yeah. to you. So that, that's a big sign. I think I there know. is some. I think there is some validity to that, and I may be incriminating incriminating myself a little bit here, but uh, this is not necessarily a music festival, but a comedy festival experience. Was uh, I was on my way to do my last show of Sydney Comedy Festival this year, and. I had, you know, some things on me to like maybe party and have a good time after, and I got so to... Vegemite. You were covered in Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, I was absolutely. Head I had to Marmite toe. smothered on my tits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a questionable choice, it was all over my face. And the, show, <laughs> the show didn't go well. That no, it's for drugs. <laughs> yeah, but I like. I got to the station and I was like, I was about halfway up the big stairs, and then I see two cops, and I did kind of like stop for a second. And I went, oh shit! And then I walked up, and there was plenty more cops, and there was two sniffer dogs, and I just couldn't have like walked right through them as they walked towards me with more confidence and just bing through the gate, and then just walked my Hell ass yeah. over to two my show. Yeah. Like oh, imagine having on. a call up and be like, so the show's cancelled tonight. I'm in the lockhouse. So oh, I, got, I got some other ones here too. Yeah. Uh, Coke in the in the Mac Foundation case. Success apparently. Ooh, yeah, this is a smart. this is a tried and true. You put the little bag under the foundation. You you're in. Um, a big bag of pills behind the aircon unit in your car. Success. It worked. <laughs> How do you get your car in there? Uh, this is like a festival, like a Splendor or something, where oh, you right. like, have to drive and they check your car. But uh, <laughs> yeah. driving to Olympic like, Park, doing yeah. dollies. <laughs> so I'm just going a big day out, taking your car in. <laughs> or, or just getting in the car, park and being like, I got in with the drugs, and then just carrying a big Santa sack full of pills. <laughs> just, trying to, just trying to drive in Olympic Park, being like, sorry, I identify as a transformer, actually. And, uh, <laughs> um, here's, here's one that uh, did not go as well. Sad bag full of drugs with name and contact details on them. This apparently happened at a, a listen out in Melbourne, I believe. Someone dropped their package full of drugs and it was found by security who alerted police and it very helpfully had the name and contact number of how to reach the person. No Look, God. like ACAB and everything like that. But if you do that, you fucking deserve to get caught. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Much. I mean, there's, there is some dumb fuckery going on with like some of these people. And there was mm. one where it's just, I, there was one that didn't make my shortlist, but it was like a guy who got arrested. And then he was like, nah, 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 not into drugs. And they was like, checked his phone and like all his latest messages were like got the gear got the gear and like not being subtle about it either being like they're pink and they're crumbly and they got mitsubishi logos on them it's like what could the, what else is it gonna be ecstasy i'm talking ecstasy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys uh, hearing I mean, this you guys heard about this <laughs> i mean you're My probably call our down. packed lunches ecstasy <laughs> yeah. the word for, for packed Oh, fuck. You're probably counting down how long it was going to take me to bring this up, but uh, Meredith and Golden Plains. In ding, Victoria. ding, ding. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, all right, you all win a prize. No, sorry. Yeah. Crazy. But genuinely, like, you, you you drive in there in your car and the people at the gate just lean in there. Like, yeah, you have any glass or gas bottles on you? And you're like, nah. And they're like, sick. In you go. So, so they don't mm. care. Is it... No. Because, but I mean, are the festivals the ones who organise and put like 
the 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 cops to sort of crack down because of their own worries and or are the cops or what like can can a festival owner be like ah oh, I don't give a shit if people are on drugs I'll take the risks or I think they're held liable like legally if somebody dies right yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't know if the cops were like there's a huge festival we're gonna enforce drugs uh, rest, you know stuff and 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 because well, how far out of is Meredith out of the city like from uh, like it, the big it's city? probably like. It's probably like half an hour out of Geelong, right? I think. So, it's so maybe like, yeah, it's like an hour and a half, maybe or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Maybe the police presence for drugs like ramps up based on the size and proximity to a major city. Because I assume mm. like Splendor's like a while away from cities, but like because it's so well known, I'd assume that you know people check shit there. Although that's a car place, so that's easy to get shit into. Like if you've got half a brain. Maybe yeah. that's the thing. If you can, yeah, if it's one of those ones where they can't check the cars, like everyone. Mm. Properly yeah, my my system. one experience with it, like a multi-day festival, was going to Falls in about sort of two thousand, maybe two thousand seven or two thousand eight, and we spent so long just just bringing alcohol in, like just mm. hiding bottles of booze and beers and stuff, and we spent so long just in every nook and in the spare tire, like little uh, alcove thing there, and. We drove in and nobody checked anything. We're like, well, that was a waste of a fucking two hours. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on like what kind of prick you get at the gate. Like someone who wants to wield their power or someone who wanted a free ticket to the festival. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair just... enough. I, um, I wanted to take us back to sort of the start of festivals. I found some info on sort of like really where they started. Uh, Woodstock overseas. 69, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, before <laughs> Woodstock, there was... Uh, there was this Monterey Pop Festival in 1967, which was like the big, massive one. And then Woodstock came around. And funnily enough about Woodstock, uh, it was like, everyone thinks it's, it was a, it's a free sort of peace and love festival. It was supposed to be like a, a for-profit festival. But what happened is they sort of changed the location at the last minute and they ran out of time and they had to decide between building the stage or building the fence and the ticket booth. So then, so then they before they even make that decision, they look around and realize like fifty thousand people have just turned up and are already inside the venue, and so it's like doing like comedy in a bar where you'd have to go around and be like, "Hey, have you got a ticket for the show? Have you got a ticket?" So they did, so they just gave up and it made it free entry, effectively free entry. And that's I watched what a I watched a movie about like that and the protagonist uh, of it, who was like the kind of like head of it, was played by Dimitri Martin. Weirdly enough. Yeah. Wow, Jesus! Why was it? While he was famous, it it's called Wayne's World Two. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. I think the name of the character he played though was like Elliot Tiber or something like that. How do you not know the name of the movie, but you remember? <laughs> I think his birthday was a twelfth of I October. I only watched it for that sweet Dimitri. <laughs> yeah, like kind of, but uh, also I'd forgotten that I'd ever watched it until you started talking about that just then. But then, so Woodstock happened, and then this is one of my. Uh, this was in America. It was a little bit later like uh, about a year later was the have you guys ever heard of the altamont free concert no oh is that where yeah. all those people died where they got like the hell's angels to do security and yeah so that's the end of the bit all right so Drew, <laughs> <laughs> Drew. <laughs> like, this, this is zoom trivial right <laughs> yeah, so Drew gets one point Drew, and Drew, i'm coming to your house tomorrow and dropping off a free growler for you <laughs> <laughs> young henry's yum yum so they uh, similar you thing. You get another one, right? And I'll show you my tits. <laughs> massive, um, massive festival. Get two and, more, right? Uh, I'll show you mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and basically, the sta- the Rolling Stones were meant to play, and it was going to be a free festival. And the stage was so low; it was like a meter off the ground. And they were pa- freaking out that there was just going to everyone's just going to rush the stage. So they paid um, the Rolling Stones management paid the Hell's Angels to be security, um, and they paid them uh, the whole whole gang. They paid them a total of five hundred dollars worth of beer. It's what what they agreed. So the Hells Angels sat on the stage and made sure nobody could uh, get on the stage. And then basically all the recordings of the the whole concert just show the Hells Angels punching people. So they just start bashing people. And apparently... um, uh, And that started the time-honoured tradition of the Seckies just beating the shit out of everybody. (laughs) But Martin, uh, one of the the guys with Jefferson Airplane, uh, jumped off stage to sort out a fight at one point with the Hells Angels. And the Hells Angels punched him in the head and knocked him unconscious. This is like (laughs) during, during Jefferson Airplane playing... And then the, play Jane cunt. And then the, the, the <laughs> Jefferson Airplane guitarist Paul Cantor sarcastically thanked the Angels for knocking their singer out. <laughs> and then one of, the, one of the Hell's Angels jumped on stage, got a microphone and argued with him about it. <laughs> so, so the guy was like, thanks for knocking out our... And this Hell's Angel still... So then... Uh, did he take the mic while he did it as well? He, he took a mic off and started arguing, having this big back and forth. Uh, Mick Jay got punched in the head as he was getting out of his helicopter. Like, it was just chaos, apparently. And then eventually, Hell's Angels stabbed someone to death. Uh, one person drowned because they were so high on LSD, they fell into a canal. Two people were driven over in their tents. So oh four, people di- four people died at this concert. But funnily enough, um, the Red Cross announced that during the concert, there's 300,000 people there, four people died. Apparently, four people also gave birth. So it ended up being ah! net Swings even. Everything yeah. even. <laughs> the count exactly the same. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the uh, the Altamont free concert. So then that changed all these people's minds about Woodstock, because Woodstock was seen as a success, even though they had problems. And then um, Woodstock in Australia, '99 happened. Then. Yeah, mm. eventually Woodstock '99. But the first one in Australia, the first ever like multi-year popular music festival in australia was called the sunbury pop festival um and it was the first one was in 1972 and this is they reckon it's the start of aussie pub rock like the the where it went from hippie sort of love music to pub rock uh the headline set was performed by billy thorpe and the aztecs and he debuted his famous anthem uh, like uh, most people i know think that i'm crazy and That's during the sick. set famously encouraged the crowd to suck more piss so <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the start of pub rock because him yelling out everybody suck more piss oh, and man. then what an they excuse had, um, to crack another beer yeah, yeah. i know <laughs> get into it and then uh so then they had four of those the sunbury pop festivals that was 72 and 74 um it was getting a bit bigger so uh a very emerging artist from the uk queen were brought oh, wow. out to perform um, but however, <laughs> he said, "Suck more piss." <laughs> uh, but they were famously booed off stage, um, and this the MC apparently went up and said, "Do you want any more for these pommy bastards, or do you want an Aussie rock band now?" And then Queen, uh, Queen uh, quit the stage to boos and calls from the crowd to go back home to Pommyland, you poofters. So, 
Well, you can't oh. fault their accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if Freddie yeah. was it's out like, of we don't, we don't hate the band. We're just severely homophobic. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but correctly, uh, at least. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we're um. at the front of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, also booed off stage were the Skyhooks. Who, uh, which was ve- probably an ironic moment looking back for Red Simons, who was their yeah, bass player. Yeah, he got gonged. <laughs> oh, he got yeah, gonged. Yeah. <laughs> so he's they like, I'll turn the tables. Gonged, but not forgotten. Yes. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk mm. about Big Day Out, which is the only festival I've been to more than once and loved. Um, did you guys ever go? No. Yeah, I went a few times. Couple. All right. Well, it's weird because, like, the whole headliner, like, getting pissed about the headliner thing kind of mm. applies because the origins of Big Day Out were it was just the violent femmes. Like, some, a promoter from Sydney and a pr- promoter from Melbourne were like, hey, everyone loves the violent femmes. Let's bring them out for a show. And uh, they, they, like, they're in talks with management and they go, we can't have, like, we need sort of a middle middle band just like an opener who's bigger than anyone we've got in australia but not too big and so the guy from the violent fams is like here's a number of my mate from seattle called kurt so they call <laughs> they call up kurt cobain and he's like yeah in this is like pre um pre never mind right, pre-nevermind, right? Uh-huh. but once it was locked in uh in that in the interim like it was like a matter of a couple of months never mind just went crazy like you know blew up around the world mm. and so for the very first big day out it was literally just supposed to be a night i think it was just a night where violet femmes were headlining and then one of the promoters had been to a festival in america and he thought I, like i like this vibe multiple bands we can get some like uh you know they had like skateboarding and and all that kind of stuff and um and they got a bunch of bands a uh, bunch of aussie bands and put it on at the horden pavilion but because it was like because of nirvana essentially it the, like instantly sells out they pack i think it was i think there was like five thousand capacity they pack like ten thousand people in there mm. and um nirvana obviously just smashes it ever like and there's a bunch of people who were like watching it like um who would go on to start like you no know, like phil jamison and like you know bernard fanning and stuff from powderfinger were all just there watching and UMI uh, played at it did yeah it was like I think it was like Beast Suburban, a bunch of the, and like Nick Cave maybe. Um, but you can, I listened to a bunch of the recordings from that, from the set, because like Nirvana come out and just absolutely smash it. And then Violet Femmes have to follow. And so they're kind of like, the crowds like had their feel, like this is peaked, we'll, we'll humor you guys. And the singer from Violet Femmes, he's, he's, it's almost like he's trying to do a pantomime. Like the crowd's there and you can hear him cheering and he's like, should we pay a uh, blister in the sun? And everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, have we, have we played it already? I don't know if we've played it already. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, we have played it already. Well, I guess we don't have to play it then. And people just like, play the fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stupidest thing. <laughs> <laughs> they should have backed themselves in more. I, I saw them at like, uh, I think it was Golden Plains uh, a few years ago or whatever. And they rule. They're yeah, real yeah. fun live. They walk out and they play Blister in the Sun first because it's the only song that everyone fucking knows. Yeah, sick. And then they're like, all right, we've got that out of the way. This is what we actually do. And I was like, this is sick, actually. <laughs> love a band that does, that acknowledges that. But I love what I love even more is a band that acknowledges that 
but knows that they have to keep people around, so they play their most famous song first and last. There are a couple of like bands from like the Soundwave era who are like, all right, this is, we'll we'll play the big one twice. Yeah. Well, while while we're talking big day out, I, I saw just one of the saddest things ever, and like it's not that sad for them because they presumably have so much money from this movie being in every fucking or this song rather being in every movie and ad but i went to the beat out one year and um temper trap were playing and it was like around the time of like sweet disposition yeah and they made the criminal error like they were at one of the side stages and it was so packed and i think we were like yeah let's just hang around and watch some of this because we were watching the band before them and like like more people than would have been at that stage all day they played sweet disposition i think third and by the end of the song after that there were probably 200 people watching them like the mass exodus it would have been so fucking like demoralizing yeah that is tragic yeah because Um, if you don't play the song like you can't that's what a lot of Bands will do like I don't want to play this song because that's all we're known for. Da, da, da. So, but then you just get a ride anyway for people waiting yeah. around for it and not listening to the other stuff, you know. But that's why yeah. I like Vart Femme's rule because they're like they're not such egoists. They're like, no, no, you have to hear my new art. They're like, I'll play the fucking hits, but you know, let me play some tunes first. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But the singer from Vart Femme's apparently because they were just huge in Australia. They were the original like Arj Barker. But they were just huge in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> unknown in at home, and now he just lives here. Like he's he's just original Arj Barker. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great analogy. <laughs> um, and then and then like the whole thing with Big Day Out is speaking of like Soundwave is there was so many different riffs and so, it just got too big for its own sort of for itself. And all these riffs over like um, bringing Kanye West out was like a massive deal. There was a big fight between the two guys who started it because it was like co-headliner Soundgarden and Kanye and like the fans hated each other. Um, And so it all fell apart. But one of the the dude who ended up buying a lot of the steak and selling it off to these three American guys called Charlie, Charlie and Charles the three C's. <laughs> um, also a Cartoon own. Network sitcom. I, think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the one with the beanie. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all um, Charlie McCann. <laughs> That's exactly three, what I was picturing. It's just Charlie you, sober, you drunk and high. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to have a jawbreaker or something? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the... The dude who bought it out started Soundwave, and he AJ used to work with DJ Matter, yeah, 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 yeah. And he, so he was like, he would he would book the metal acts or whatever, and then he eventually left and and started Soundwave. Yeah, do you know how much he bought the the rights to uh, Big Day Out for when they eventually worked together? Millions, five million dollars. Do you know how yeah. much he sold it for eventually but, when everything what? tanked? It was like a dollar, right? It was one dollar. One dollar. One dollar. That is not a savvy businessman. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, and Charles got him again. AJ Madai. Uh, head to YouTube and watch Charlie McCann's raw set from 2014 (laughs) (laughs) to understand that bit. AJ Madai is kind of a fascinating figure because, yeah, he uh, at one point because he he was the guy that started Soundwave. And um, he's just a good old boy from the hills as well. He grew up. Uh, he grew up. He went to Balkham Hills High School. He lived in Jural like during the height of his powers, just like in a modest house with his wife. And uh, like he, um, like in probably what it would be like the late 
2000s, Soundwave was probably one of the biggest festivals in Australia and like making a ton of money, probably like, I think it was the most international acts on any festival lineup. Um, and he was this guy that was just bringing it all together. And he started like, um, just to bring it back to what you said before, like he, he, at 16, he was writing music reviews and then 18, he was writing for like Billboard and Rolling Stone. But apparently he said that he approached Sydney talent managers, the Harbour Agency, and he was raving about this young band that they should sign and bring over here. And they were called Nirvana. And the... All right. Yeah, so he's, which, he's taking credit for it. Well, like, I mean, like, how many people could do that? You know, just like with the benefit of hindsight, I could be like, well, you know, I discovered the most famous comedian in australia like yeah but apparently he said it and he he claims that he was told by the harbor agency fuck off we'll make more money from one dragon show at the saint george rsl um <laughs> i love that energy if that's <laughs> yeah, true fuck yeah. no. so um yeah. he um he started Soundwave in uh, the first Soundwave was in 2004 and it was called Soundwave Gravity. It was Perth only, but by 2008 it was touring nationally and uh, at like the height of its powers, it had 300,000 people attending it. Um, Fuck. But people had- also hated this cunt, like especially yeah. the people from Big Day Out. Like, he was um, really outspoken on Twitter. Yeah, I he used was. To a- see stuff come up quite a lot. Sometimes he would rule on Twitter. Uh, I liked him a lot because he was a big Liverpool fan, and like obviously he would <laughs> announce bands that I would want to go see. But like he would get in fights with people at the drop of a hat. Like he was like, like uh, Vivian Lee from Big Day Out called him an mm. odious character, which <laughs> I mean that's an insult from the '30s, but it yeah. rules. And uh, I, I reckon that means you've really thought about how you'd like to like assassinate their character is like yeah. I'm gonna look up the yeah. perfect yeah. word for why you're bad. Oh absolutely. It's also like big um big Ned Flanders energy in the Hurricane <laughs> Neddy where he goes around and eventually he's just like you are the worst person. <laughs> um, well I got off easy. <laughs> but Ken, Ken West, who is uh, one of the other co founders of Lisa Big Day out, he uh he called AJ Matter a, a financial anarchist. And AJ Madar like responded being like that fucking rules. I'm gonna put that in my email <laughs> signature. Um, but I guess he was eventually. He's like, no, no, I said financial analyst. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's not rock and roll. <laughs> but um, but basically, like the whole empire ended up crumbling because he owed a lot of money to a lot of creditors. And um, so yeah, him and after like the shots were fired by Big Day Out, they he did eventually work with Big Day Out. And kind of Ken West walked it back and was like, ah, AJ's kind of nice once you get to know him, you know. But um, AJ would Ken get West in... seems like a pretty miserable prick from what I've seen. Yeah. Like, and... watching documentaries about, like, the 2001 Big Day Out and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, so is West is... Because there's... Is it Vivian Lee and... Vivian Lee. Vivian Lee's and Ken West. Yeah, so one of them... And Ken West, I think, was the Sydney-based one who was supposed to be like, I'm the, I'm the art music guy and then... The other one was like, I'm all finance. And that's that was how they were butting heads yeah. a lot. Right. 
Um, it's a lot couple sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, every like I listened to this uh, podcast that was really good called Inside Big Day Out, like a double J podcast that uh, anyone should check out if they want. Oh, but, I, I listen to some of that. Yeah, it was really good. And a, but a lot of that was talking just so many people in a row just being like they hated a uh, sound wave dude so much just but trying to be very diplomatic about it like he was um difficult to work with you know like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah it sounds like he was kind of outspoken but i remember like he got in a fight with travis barker from blink 182 because blink 182 reformed and said they were gonna put travis like under sedation to fly him over here because he was scared of flying because he had been in a plane crash yeah, yeah. wasn't the pulled... other thing wasn't the other suggestion that they were gonna send him over here on a boat yeah yeah and um yeah that, <laughs> which, that which our government promptly shut down <laughs> yeah exactly they were right, like gents? not on our fucking beaches <laughs> blink 182 live at christmas island <laughs> yeah <laughs> But so, that, blink yeah, 182 honest... times if they're not torturing you. <laughs> <laughs> blink 182 live at Christmas Island honestly sounds like the name of an album they would have <laughs> yes. released yeah. back yeah. in the early 2000s. It sounds like the most joyful thing that would be horrific <laughs> in reality. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Travis Barker reneged on it because I guess because of course, you know, like mm. it's the first flight he was going to take after being in a plane crash that not only scarred him for months, but killed his best friend in the whole world. And so then the, like AJ Maddow went off at him a little bit saying that it was a guarantee, but he also got in a fight with Corey Taylor from Slipknot. And like, it's so funny to see like a guys that are like a rock and roll band who wear masks and are like, I think I read an FHM once. Yeah, that's right. I read FHM. <laughs> uh, Me too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, he was talking about, like, throwing shit and, like, anarchy and punk rock and then just, like, an interview with Corey Taylor. And, like, well, financially, it was pretty mismanaged. And, like, firing <laughs> shots at him in, like, a dorky way like that. But apparently some other guy from a band called Ministry really fucking went after AJ and said it was a... Uh, a ponzi scheme and that, like he was essentially taking the profits of the last festival to promise the money to the new crop of festival people and said that a bunch of people hadn't got paid and then aj would write like a fucking hundred tweet thread being like i've lost everything you piece of shit and here all the times that you've personally slighted me as well and like because he's worked in concerts so long he'd be like remember in phoenix arizona where i asked for you asked for a light and i didn't have it like fuck you like i mean like i like him either but he's never been i don't think he's been close to a fucking music festival for at least three or four years now yeah i think quite tellingly i think his twitter handle was something like i'm still shouting or something like that it's it's i am not shouting oh i I'm not uh, shouting, right? Because yeah, yeah. the irony is that he often is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is and now, is um, early days of Soundwave, because I'm trying to feel, I, I went to one, like, um, festival that I can't, I don't know if it was Soundwave or not, but it was a similar, like, sort of lineup, but it was at Luna Park. No. Was, it, was there uh, ever any Soundwaves there? There was supposed to be, really famously, they- like, one of the things that collapsed was Soundwave Revolution where they had oh, got yeah. Van Halen to play. And, like, they had announced it, and it was going to be, like... It was going to be in the middle of when... So, Soundwave was usually in, like, January, February, and this was going to be in, like, August, September, I believe. And so the idea would be, like, it's a six-month, like, bridging thing. It's going to be a little smaller that's going to have huge fucking acts. And that, like, I think I think it was Van Halen that ended up 
like ruining it but they pulled out really late and then like the house of card fell and a bunch of the big acts pulled out so they he just kind of brought like a bunch of them out here to tour for a bit because i remember seeing a bunch of the sound like the sideshow counter revolution shows that year it's like i couldn't give less of a shit if van halen pulled out it's, it was 2013 <laughs> not 1977 <laughs> <laughs> jay what, it's like what you it... mean the clash isn't playing <laughs> like, i i would go see the clash That'd yeah be of cool. course but like, um what did what was the th- phrase that Vivian Lee's said to AJ Matter? Uh, was, he was an odious character. Because I just was googling because I found a photo of him which I found so funny. But I just found another article where she also referred to him as a major dickhead. Which <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> 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 so, that was an earlier iteration yeah. of the uh, so, <laughs> o- major dickhead reporting for the, duty. Yeah, <laughs> 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 odious character was the. F- final draft <laughs> and it's just <laughs> sitting there with major dickhead just constantly pressing delete and if you are odious character it. was probably early on in the piece and then like the end and they're just getting so frustrated just, he's a major dickhead yeah. <laughs> and this is a photo of him from the article i assume you guys have seen photos of this guy but oh yeah um, but like mm. nothing could look more can you see <laughs> yeah. 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 he looks that like is the guy that would put on that festival it looks like if yeah. you search Major Dickhead and that was the link to the Urban Dictionary uh, yeah. article. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like, like the trombonist in a ska band. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. does. It's, real it's really hard style. to figure out what to be most offended by. I know. It's sort <laughs> like, of like reflective speed dealery sunnies, a fedora and like a weird like cartoon fish like body shirt or something like that. Well, <laughs> like, you've not even paid any attention to the facial hair. Yeah, I'm getting to it. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> this is horrid goatee and yeah. these big he has what I would describe as a Deftones beard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I like. Everybody bangs on about like, oh, the Deftones are actually good. I'm like, if you've they got are. upwards of three goatees in your band, then you are not good. I no, love no, Deftones. they are actually good though, Rose. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't abide by it. Should we move on to um, Rose's beloved Meredith? Yeah, of course. Oh, baby. What have you dug up to try and make me feel bad about liking Meredith? I've dug up nothing. (laughs) No, I was going to throw it to you to to basically give an ode. Yeah, tell us about heaven on earth. Oh, I'll give you an ode to heaven on earth. So uh, if anyone's watching on YouTube, uh, how's... There now it's time that, for that. Now all of us get up and go to the bathroom. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that tree there, that's an actual tree in Meredith. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah, standing oh. underneath that tree was the first place I ever came out to anyone, uh, which was pretty fun. Oh, I thought you were going to just go. end with came, and I was going to say, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, the third where, place where, that I, I came. I've known nothing about Meredith. Where is it? Is it multi-day? Like, what's what's its deal? All right, here we go. It's in Meredith in Victoria. It's a town in Victoria. Um, it's like it's on a private farm uh, owned by these people because, um, like, their kid, uh, I think basically did it for, like, a birthday or something like that, or he just wanted to... His name is Chris Nolan. Um, and he later went on to great success directing, uh, you know, several films. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> just right oh, after I yeah, said that yeah. Tenet <laughs> Good stuff. Right after I said that You all froze And <laughs> Drew's eyes Were in a spot where He looked like he'd been possessed by the devil <laughs> I was like oh no It I'm took me a minute to realise what you were talking about What well. the bit was Yeah but his name actually is Chris Nolan um, But he um, Yeah he, he was just putting it on for his friends um, And then it became like an annual thing um, but he ended up 
getting like a kind of um, motor neuron disease or whatever where he's in a wheelchair and he can't like speak or move or anything but he apparently is completely aware of everything that's going on around him Um, so they keep they just kept putting it on for him Um, so it's like members of the family like go around the world and like find good people to go on at this festival because it's like it's one stage um they've got like this like natural amphitheater it's bloody gorgeous uh it's like meredith is like three days golden plains is the younger sister festival which is basically the same thing except it's a little bit shorter and there's like two thousand less people or something like that i actually prefer golden plains um but uh what is byo alcohol very rare in uh oh no way yeah (laughs) uh you just can't take glass um which is fine. Um, no one's like, oh, it's just so much better over the stubby, you know. Um, <laughs> can we get a beer on tap? You actually can get beers on tap there, actually. Um, they've got little bars. That's um, like so insanely lovely of, their f- of this dude's friends to, you know, put all that effort in. For well, it, was like, his, it was his if, parents. Oh, well, like... If the dad died, you know, God now, forbid, if Kirk ever succumbs, the best I'm going to do is wheel him down to the Golden Barley Hotel. <laughs> do, you know, do you know something I don't know? <laughs> Drew's going to kill you. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's been poisoning your beer. Um, yeah. But um, succumbs to the COVID vaccine, Kirk. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have been, I have got 72 vaccinations in the last <laughs> 24 hours. I can see the clot forming on your shoulders. <laughs> I'm more clot than man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, where the where the hell was I? Uh, it's like it's like three days. It's like two nights and then a day. Um, Golden Plains is just kind of like two nights, and then you go off on your merry way. But um, like uh, one fun thing to talk about is that uh, a tradition at Meredith on the Sunday, the last day every year, is they have the Meredith Gift. Which is a nude running race, Ooh. <laughs> uh, because at the uh, at the first ever Meredith, like well, because there's only one stage, people were killing time between bands. Someone suggested a running race, so then to up the stakes, someone was like, "Why don't you do it naked?" And it's just been a thing ever since. And like, see, <laughs> yeah. the first men, women, up- everything, everyone. Sorry? Do they segment men and women? Is it sort of you know? They used Olympic to segment rules? men and women, uh, and um, they recently oh, have now done uh, men, women and uh, miscellaneous oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. it's one of they're trying to be woke and end up being very unwoke you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah Um. but like I get it it was just like a it's an inclusive one people care yeah. I think it'd be very hard for them to get that right without like suddenly entering into the like men and women or like trans women and trans men in sport kind of conversation I'd love yeah. to go there Risky. and do that but take the race way too seriously just like get oh, out in front man. you know I'm I'll get to I that I need to like, win guys with micro penises <laughs> <laughs> it's aerodynamic <laughs> it's yeah. me Drew Bensley but the, the, the first year I went, I think it was 2011, 2011 or 12, one of those. Um, but because like on the Sunday, they have someone like host the day. Um, and uh, then they kind of like sort of commentate and introduce the gift. And the first year that I went, the person doing that was like former AFL commentator Dennis Cometti. 
Mm. Like <laughs> That's cool. one of the greatest sports casters Australia's ever produced, and I got to watch him commentate a nude running race. It was amazing. <laughs> it was like Jared Kennedy out in front there. It was yeah. it was amazing. I'd love and to I, see. I, I genuinely Warren know that name because that guy has won it like four times. Damn. Uh, like what? You, so you he's just living for that moment. can't win a naked running race more than once, unless you have a micro. Like, because you're like, <laughs> you better have the small dick. If you're winning that race and you're coming back for seconds, you're a fucking ego. You know, no, I like it. Like, if, if I was a Victorian with, like, a fucking body like that cunt has, like, I'd be trying to win it every year too. Oh, he no. also, he, he, he retired from it, but he came back to do it again because Chris Nolan had gotten quite sick and it was looking like he might die. So he was like, I'm going to come out of retirement. <laughs> That's one the time biggest ego move ever. I know what yeah. this kid needs. To see me naked again. But winning. he's famous there. He's famous. But I have like, I have stories from doing that because like the first year that I went, like my friend Sean Crow like sold me on the festival by being like, they've got a nude running race. We should go in it. So we went and like th this was kind of like the, the narrative device of my first hour was like these two stories but like we went there and we were lining up to like sign up because they only take so many people um, and we are like next in line to sign up and then the women on the table uh, who are like these I, I guess they're like kind of like burlesque cabaret performers they dress in these insane fantastical creative outfits they're called the town bikes but they like lean around the table and go, all right, we've run out or whatever. And then the last guy to sign up turns around to us and he was dressed as a turtle and he had one of those obnoxious kind of like handlebar moustache, like up to sideburns combos. And he looks around and put like both fingers in the air and was like, shit out of luck, cunts. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck you. I fucking hate that guy. I hate that guy so much. So I went next year and I was like, I'm going to get in the gift this time. And um, Although that's pretty cocky for a guy dressed as a turtle in a race. And he, the fable is not true. He came dead last. <laughs> I imagine it. He, he turned around, put both fingers up and said, slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> <laughs> I think he lost because he was pissed off his fucking nana. But... Um, didn't have that the micro penis, couldn't go very fast. Honestly, I remember a pretty micro penis on this guy. <laughs> so I was like, how do you have this big dick energy? But the next year I went and I like waited and waited and waited and then realized at the last second that the like table to sign up had been moved to the other side of the festival. So I sprinted over there and I'd, I was late again, unfortunately. And they were like, look, you can like sign like a form here to go in it in case someone pulls out no one ever does why would you mm. and like I'm just kind of waiting there and like while I'm waiting there to the table this guy starts running towards me and as he gets closer and closer I realise it's the fucking turtle guy from the year before <laughs> oh sick and instead of asking the girls at the table about the race he asked me for some reason which is so weird and he's going like are they letting people sign up yet and I looked at him and I went shit out of luck cunt and then he just <laughs> and then he just looked at me like I had just told him to eat a bag full of dicks because of course he didn't fucking remember it. Like, <laughs> I'd been stewing on this for a whole year, and I was like, I "Yeah, I'm that. gonna get my revenge," and then just I fell out the biggest yeah. knob. 
Yeah. I love and that. And the thing is that he said it to you because you said it to him the year before. So it's just this like endless cycle of you two not remembering each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have seen him there one or two more times, I think. But oh, yeah. in that context. And he, he's just there every time like, looking at you being like, I'm going to I'm gonna say shit out of luck, can't to her. Oh, man. So I don't I'm think he... It. I'm going to say I, it to her. I'm going to say it to her. For a guy who goes there as much as he does, I don't know that he has many memories at the festival. He looks, <laughs> he looks like he's off his... Tr- like, there, you see... Because people just go every year you see so many of the same people and so many of the people i always see are just people who just look off their tree at all times uh, so it's free uh, sorry it's bring your own alcohol and that was the place you said there was no real drug checks right yeah they couldn't so, give a shit so it's pretty much a free-for-all because it yeah well because they've got like a like kind of policy of like no dickheads which is kind of self-policing but it works like mm. people people because they treat you like an adult so people do just kind of like look after each other and like you get the occasional dickhead at Meredith but like Golden Plains is pretty mm. dickhead free and like if someone is being a dickhead people get called out on it like but the the artists it, it, it's more a chill I mean it's no Limp Bizkit sort of style yeah yeah oh no like, like it, do you know what I mean would the artists not bring the wrong crowd they also get the Hells Angels to do security so people are scared to do anything wrong uh, <laughs> because of that there's also a few common cheros, so like there is fighting but it's just between the security teams should, um, should we but, should, um, should we talk about the the big day out uh, the the event is anybody Oh, have in no. information as in like 2001 yes we gotta talk about it right God, I mean like look at the at the risk of sounding poor taste have you gone and watched Break Stuff live from the 2001 Big Day Out because it looks sick <laughs> Break Stuff fucking it's insane. Like, I mean, it's, I saw- like, but it's genuinely like you look at the like festival because there's no D barricade or whatever. Apparently, T barricades were the thing that like Fred Durst was really calling for. Yeah, um, I watched like a whole documentary on like their set. He at, was probably he, he probably was calling for people to be tea bagged. I think. Is what <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, he like, drops he drops a couple of f bombs. Yeah, well, a, a, in the song. He says fuck. Sure. Yeah, no, you know the new, the new yeah, yeah, yeah. death bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, oh my word, <laughs> this guy. You gonna says- do what with my ass raw? <laughs> this is rather bawdy. Uh, he says he'll give it all up for the nookie. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, there was. Like, because Channel V filmed like all the sets. Apparently, there there once existed like film of the entire set but it all got wiped damn they like they they made a yeah or, no they made they made a point of destroying it right. that, was yeah. a, but, that was a big which that, thing that could maybe not be true who knows ah. but i i remember hearing that but like I, uh, I really realize- if you like apparently like multiple times during the set they like had like a fucking like fire hose like firing it over the crowd and like fred durst would have to be like Everyone, like, take, like, a giant step back. Like, people are having the worst time here. Like, I think maybe, like, Ken West had to come out on stage once or twice to, like, talk people down. But, like, if you look at it, like, like, when, when it, like, really goes off in this Break Stuff video and the crowd like starts like pumping like it is genuinely surprising only one person died mm, like, yeah it, it looks I got, so horrifically unsafe i got like like really crushed um when rage against the machine came back i don't know what year it was but like squeezing squeezing like in 
like between the two like barricades to get through to that main area. Oh yeah, people were fucking rabid about that. Oh, like uh, a guy and- I went to high school with, like I ran into him during Arcade Fire's set, who I think played before um, Rage Against the Machine, and he was like, "Oh man, I just pissed in a cup because I've been in here for like three hours," and I was like, "I just got in." <laughs> like, you, you did not have to do that like oh man i i i wanted to see uh tool one year and i was right down like i went for, like ages before got right on the gate right at the front and mm. same thing needed to piss like probably with like an hour and a half to go and just with my all my friends like just piss in a bottle and i was just like not not gonna happen and so i just <laughs> held this piss I got to, I got maybe two songs in. I was like, all right, had my fill. Got just jumped the fence, ran like I still. I feel like I did permanent kidney that damage is, or something. That is yeah. the <laughs> biggest Drew move at a festival <laughs> I've ever seen. Just being like, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, and then they're like, no this way. is our first song, and you'll be like, well, that's good enough for me, and just bright red, leaping a fence and running as fast <laughs> as you can. I also have one more festival I want to talk about. Uh, this, this is a festival. I was looking up like festival catastrophes in Australia, and this one kept. <laughs> coming up um a festival called blueprint festival you guys seen this you guys heard of this (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i have heard of that Uh, yeah a little bit blueprint festival kind of happened like in the uh the the biggest boom of australian festival culture which like it was essentially 2007 to 2009 i swear when i was that age like you couldn't fucking throw a rock without some festival thing being on that way like Park Life, Field Day, Soundwave, Big Day Out, Splendor. Um, and Blueprint was uh, one of these. And a lot of retrospective articles now call it, especially because of last year, they call it Australia's own fire festival. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. Which, like, to be is very unfair to the guys that organize it after reading all the stuff. But, you know, you got to get those headlines. you got to get those clicks, junkie. Um, so Blueprint was basically this music festival. It was these two brothers who were like, "Hey, we what? is Rupee all right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, a bit of unruly. He's a big, he's a big Blueprint fan. <laughs> it's like I said, it's unfair in my line. Yeah, he's, he's so That's mad. So unfair to call it the Fire Festival. No one had to suck any dicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. He's also like, I. he wants to listen to break stuff by Limp Bizkit. <laughs> oh, I mean, we all want to do that. Yeah. Which is what we're all going to do as soon as this is done. Oh, absolutely. Rip it, shut up. <laughs> um, no, he's all right. No, nah, he's fine. He's a good boy. So uh, he's, coming, he's coming closer to me now. Uh, so basically, <laughs> these two brothers started Blue Friend Festival. They were like enjoying the festival boom, being like, this fucking rules. What if we did it? <laughs> we were famous and made a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll like go a, a little something like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Register blueprint.net.au. Uh, did, did these two brothers the start it after the failure of their festival show Ben's in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, they kept calling them Andrew and Danny. And I was like, those names sound so familiar to me. Um, but apparently the brothers Tristan and Aaron, 23 and 20. Tristan is a sales executive and his younger brother is a uni student. No oh prior, uh, like no prior experience running music festivals, but they found some land in uh, Ararat, which is regional Victoria. And they yeah. decided like, we can do that. We can fucking do music festivals and decided to start big with a 53 band lineup. 
<laughs> Jeez, yeah, 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 guys. Yeah, yeah. That's big dick. That's sucking like. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, this is really a lot of party for 50 Yeah, people. this is Turtle Guy running through Meredith Energy. Like, he's mm. fucking. Fuck. They're up for it. 53 hacks. At what point are you just. Mate, like, you, w- you wouldn't get 53 people at fucking Meredith. Yeah. It's like yeah. a huge three day festival. So um, they made some big promises as well because they were like. Essentially, they were saying. We go to festivals. We know the problems with festivals. We are eliminating them here at Blueprint. There will be no blocked up portaloos. There will be arts and crafts markets, which I swear everyone thinks people want at festivals, but no one ever <laughs> gives a shit about. Like, I swear every time there's like an indie or folk festival, people are like, it's going to have the coolest art installations and arts and crafts stalls. And it's like, yeah, good luck, dude. Like, we're, <laughs> we're not going to buy the wristband. We're just not. Um, but they, they also said there would be educational workshops and a beer hall featuring Victoria's like best craft beers on tap and a gourmet bistro that would serve steak. <laughs> Jesus this, Christ. this is gourmet shit. All this. Yeah. When I'm fucking, you know, one and a half days into a music festival, I say, you know what I'd love right now? A big steak dinner. <laughs> yeah. Well, medium like, rare, a bit of Bernays yeah. would be lovely. <laughs> it is funny that like people keep trying to reinvent the wheel when there is clearly evidence of stuff that works. Like when people are like yeah. we want a sit down dinner experience at our festival. And it's like, no, people want a Goslimi or like just a fucking burger, like anything. If you like, I would never have the balls to pull off a music festival. But if I was going to do it, I would just copy every single. I'd call it big sound wave home bake out. Like I would yeah. just like literally <laughs> copy every line item from everything. Nothing out of place. You would never try to. You, what, that's crazy. They've never done it before, and they're already like, oh, we're going to reinvent yeah. the whole music festival industry. And so all this as well, and it was going to be um, for punters, one hundred and ten dollars for three days. So starts well. well. And what's Meredith, Rosie, for for, for context? It's a couple <laughs> hundred bucks, right? Uh, oh, it's probably up to about four hundred these 400 days. Four hundred bucks. So yeah, splendors really... a couple of splendors a few days, and like camping for the full three days is close to like five hundred. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, splendors a little bit longer. Yeah. So, so there's um, no way they could turn a profit on that. Well, no way. Yeah, yeah. Wait and see. Well, I think I mean, you guys I, probably know. I, I think part of the reason as well that like Meredith is that much is because I don't think they're doing it for profit. I think it's largely just to pay all the. Well, ads. they making no grog money either, so I imagine they've got to. Make, oh no, they make some. The because there's like there's there's two bars there. There's like a thing called Eric's Terrace, and then there's one called the Pink Flamingo Bar, and I imagine oh, that yeah. goes to like the festival profits or something like that. Yeah, I imagine though that like, you know, they're, they're, you're right. They're probably just keeping the lights on and charging how, how over much three hundred bucks or whatever you said. So one hundred. Yeah, probably bucks, just paying for the fucking cleanup at the end of the festival, picking all the fucking durry butts off the ground so that the like yeah. whatever like the sheep or goats or whatever that they have on the farm don't eat them later. Fuck. So um, basically, so one hundred and ten dollars for punters for three day festival. They received backing, so they got like a PR firm behind it. They had a partnership with the website Faster Louder. They had drinks deals with a Melbourne pub and I believe Mountain Goat. And they had a food deal where they'd have like a chef who would curate the menu. So all guns blazing. They're like basically enthusiasm bolstering a complete lack of experience. Um, but there were a couple of like early warning signs. 
it is common practice in festivals I've learned that uh, a lot of the people that you hire like staging and all the production side you pay kind of half up front with the promise that you'll pay the rest once the ticket money has come through but uh, businesses who were kind of reluctant to enter in to two people whose combined age is 43 and have no experience in the music festival when they were like okay so where's this money coming from they were told by the two brothers that mum's backing us which uh <laughs> which i think you know is probably fine for like uh, a, yeah we're actually running this up from the bank of dad yeah <laughs> it's probably fine for like a bucks trip to jupiter's casino in the gold coast but not a 53 band music festival the rents <laughs> proprietary limited actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, no. so of course like problems start to happen and uh, one of which is that the on the day of the festival, the stages were still being built. Um, this is this, <laughs> this guy with an IKEA flat pack with an Allen key. It's like, yeah, oh yeah. shit! <laughs> People are here. <laughs> Start turning. I've got to build Berg so we can get you <laughs> a mile on stage. <laughs> so um, this. this this little excerpt, ne- excerpt now is from a junkie article. Two massive mm. stages were, in fact, one massive stage and one very small stage, which kept in line with the camping theme of the festival by looking like no more than a slightly oversized dome tent itself. Those stages may have been bare of bands, but that just presents a challenge to find your own entertainment, like viewing the bogged truck, which tried to push itself out of the mud with its own skip and was labelled by onlookers as epic failure. Around 7.15, the dome stage finally had music on it. This 7.15 at night, it was scheduled to start at 12. And not long (laughs) after that, the main triple R stage did as well. Music that could not have been more welcome and more needed. And that's because it started five to six hours late. So uh, I mentioned that there was a truck bogged. What happened basically was... In addition to poor management, there was just terrible luck. There was a torrential rainstorm the day of the festival, which um, swamped this paddock and turned it into mud, basically. There was no power in the site when uh, some of the first bands were supposed to kick off. I wouldn't so call that terrible <laughs> luck. That might be some planning. To it. Yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, one of those first bands called Truck Bog. <laughs> yeah, and they went off. <laughs> uh, so Melbourne uh, The Melbourne band Calling All Cars Was supposed to Kick things off On the main oh, stage And there's a quote From their drama That says We were supposed to play At 4pm And it ended up Playing at midnight Because the stages Were still being built When the bands Were supposed to start The main <laughs> stage Was a mud pit The beer was unattended Backstage So it was an endless rider Beer for days <laughs> This is a quote From the drummer <laughs> Fucking rules So um <laughs> Basically, the craft beer, like, halls and the beer taps that had been mentioned in the initial advertising, they hadn't opened, but this didn't stop the punters who found ways to circumvent the issue. This was because uh, the crowd was uh, about 5,000 strong for this little festival, but there were only 34 seckies. And uh, according to the brothers, this was... This was their plan. They didn't want many Sekis because they didn't like the security presence at other festivals, which, you know, fair criticism, but also leads to disaster because what quickly happened was I think the uh, the punters to security outnumbered 150 to 1. So basically, when they were like, hey, we can't open 
the craft beer hall, everyone was like, yeah, sick. And just went back into town, bought beers, drove them back on, dodged security. They took artist beers from, like, piles. <laughs> so, like, they just used the rider, like, their own personal bottle shop. So they basically stole beers or brought them in, and they were just getting pissed in the rain because the stages were still being built and they had not started. They had also, apparently, a mud pit had logged a lot of the cars <laughs> trying to get in. And they had to be pulled out. And, but uh, the crowd turned that into a 50-meter mudslide, which was pretty cool. Um, the head chef that was providing the steaks saw the writing on the wall, and he pulled out two days before the festival, which <laughs> meant that there was no actual food till day two. So just no food. <laughs> All the food stores were gone. And uh, by day two, they had erected some stuff, and like they had some pictures which essentially just looked like little taco pockets and some people also quoted uh saying that like it was just rissoles in bread basically um that's all you need though yep on yeah, the third day too bad. on the third day one of the stages collapsed <laughs> oh no but um but, <laughs> uh, but yeah but the festival it, like it slogged on till the end and then so like it went and after the real three Aussie days, yeah exactly and that's uh I, after the festival was where the real trouble started for the brothers. The brothers, um, the brothers basically said they hadn't made enough money. That they'd sold tickets too cheaply, and because of the shitty security and the chef pulling out, they made like no money in booze and food sales. So they, um, so all the money that they were supposed to pay after the festival, they didn't have it. And so the brothers did what, you know what two inexperienced legends would do, they went into hiding and just vanished. Um, so the man who... Um, just went under their beds in their bedroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they had a doona on them and a flashlight. And so the man who rented out the paddock to to the festival, to the two brothers, had a yarn about, um, like, the, the second day of the festival, the brothers came up and they had a safe with some of the cash inside it for the festival and it was about $75,000 but they'd lost the keys to the safe so they needed this farmer to use his tools to break into it (laughs) it was like a quest from a role playing game this guy this guy also claimed the guy who owned the paddock said that like because they were saying like we can't fucking pay anyone we didn't make enough money but he said like the days of the festival, the boys rocked up in, like, brand-new Hiluxes. Um, so he theorized, basically, that the boys had spent the money before they you know, paid anyone. So the brothers finally spoke out, and they, they, their claim was that the only thing that went wrong was that they'd been the victim of their own ambition. <laughs> and... Uh, so he said the cost of running the event was $1.1 million. Doesn't include any wages for his brother or him, even though the Hiluxes. And he agreed. And then he said, basically, that like between three to $500,000 would owe to bands and construction companies and like entertainment companies and other production companies. He just said, I feel awful. These are some of my idols, people I looked up to. We were so high-spirited and wanted to do this amazing thing. And... It's wrecked my life. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who've taken advantage of us. A couple of young blokes new to this, and they just vanished, apparently. And 
I don't know what the fuck they're doing now. Like, if you want to be guessing, <laughs> yeah, the pod. I was living in the Cayman Islands somewhere. Mm. Jesus Christ! But I mean, with I mean that Hilux would probably sell for a couple of grand now. Like, <laughs> Collectors, but man. but the the funny thing about it is because so I said like I preface up top, everyone's kind of calling it Fire Festival, and this is the Fire Festival that happened in Australia before Fire Festival even happened. It's like. All right, Fire Festival had two major documentaries where a guy like literally said he was about to suck dick for water, <laughs> and like people were getting like people didn't have fucking tans, like people were getting like people processed cheese on like... bread. And but like I looked up contemporary reviews of Blueprint Festival, so like reviews by bloggers and music sites in two thousand nine, and they like all their reviews are just like yeah we watched sick band after sick band there are a couple of hiccups but what first festival doesn't have it and like you know it like it sounds like now because of the financial dramas people are like oh yeah it's fire we link it to the fire festival but from everything i like if you'd just gone in the way back machine and looked at the 2009 reviews all you'd see is like a couple of like a festival where it's like ah you know i didn't get the steak i desired but i got a taco instead <laughs> that's why like everything is so like lower scale in australia like the, over there they're like i'm ready to suck dick for water they're like i'll lick someone's balls for a good steak <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah they'll do that they'll lick someone's balls for a steak and then next year it'll become a tradition called the lick <laughs> yeah. the balls for steak event and you've got to lick as many balls as you can and then you get a prize yeah you can't, can't wait to go to laneway's vegemiting of the nutsack <laughs> <laughs> Because this is a comedy podcast and we are comedians, uh, I'll, I'll so uh, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just this all the way. Uh, hey, back yourselves in. Um, uh, here's a couple of like Meredith gift connections to comedy. The second year I went, the gift was hosted by JB Smoove. Oh uh, yeah, who yeah. Uh, I think at one point was like, "Holy shit, I love this place. I might move here." Um, what, what, and why was he was he uh, famous from comedy and that? Then? Yeah, he yeah, been yeah, yeah. By that this, when, sorry, yeah. when what was it? When was that? Two years before what? Sorry. It would have been 2012 or 13. I think. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, but like part of his thing was he like came out and introduced himself or whatever, and he was like, "Play my clip," and then they literally just like on the screen and over the speaker played like a highlights clip of him on Curb Your Enthusiasm. That That's, so sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, one of the best highlight clips ever, though. He's oh, so it was so good. Leon Black, such a good character. But then yeah. uh, a few years later, uh, the host of the third day and the gift was Judith Lucy. And that was the second year that I went in it. And I, like, I'm a woman in comedy. Like, they always have those, like, frocking hilarious shows and stuff like that. Like, there is a chance that someday I could be on a lineup with Judith Lucy, but I have not been yet. And I really just want to go up to her and be like, hello, Judith. Uh, I, uh, you've actually commented uh, on the form of my downward dog while I was completely stark naked once because <laughs> while we were lined up, she was getting everyone to do yoga poses and she called me out specifically as having good form. Wow. <laughs> so hold on, you got so you, you, you got to stand there naked and then the, the commentator makes you bend over and fucking... Well, that only happened this year. She was like, oh, I've been working on my yoga, you know, as she does. And I love Judith Lucy. I think she's so fucking funny. Um, that's an artist by Yarn. You can tell at a Melbourne Comedy Festival. Easy. Like, that's oh, absolutely. Great, that's a great one. Yeah, Judith Lucy, see me naked. 
Wow. Yeah. But I mean, like, you could tell her as well instead of just, like, telling me, Alex and Drew, and being like, yeah, Ben's isn't going so well this year at Melbourne Comedy Festival. <laughs> <laughs> sell out run. <laughs> yeah, I had a sell out run at the Huxter Burger earlier. Just bought the whole place out. Oh, uh, all right. I right. we're probably done yeah. our time. Rose, yeah. thank Gentlemen. you for coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, uh, I yeah, I do. Um, the Ooh. Harry Krishna food tent at the Meredith and Golden Plains festivals. Uh, I promise you, it's so good. Um, mm. But uh, it's not religious, so it's just uh, it's a guy called Harry Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it is religious, and it's very good. Uh, I eat it religiously there every year, but. <laughs> um, in terms of actual things, if you want to hear me talk about Meredith and Golden Plains in more detail, uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I have a new podcast coming out. I don't know when it's coming out, but I've started recording episodes of it. Uh, it's called I'm Gushing, uh, and the first episode is uh, a former guest of this podcast, Beck Charlwood, interviewing me about uh, Meredith and Golden Plains. Oh, wow. thought you were going to say Andrew Hastings for a second. No. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll be on the podcast at some point but um, yeah but I don't know when that's going to come out but uh, because we're stuck in lockdown I'm going to try and start really pumping through that and get it out there because I've been talking to people about it for too long and I'm going to look like I'm full of shit but uh, if you'd like uh, to follow it on social media I made accounts I think it's at I'm gushing pod uh, and you can also follow me at Roselle's Piper on Twitter and Instagram that's where I'd do all my shit I just posted a photo of my ass on Instagram and it's going off so go check that out oh (laughs) it's 23rd of July everyone scroll back (laughs) (laughs) retweet yeah. Oh, right. well, thanks so much, Rosie. That was great. And no, everybody listening, yeah, review, do rate, shit, subscribe. Yeah. What else? What else do we tell them? To uh, do? We're on all the social media stuff. Uh, so follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We don't get much love there. Subscribe to our YouTube. Tell all your friends about our podcast. It's yes. great. We love doing it. We're going to keep doing it. We're in lockdown forever. Or forever. Suggest uh, episode ideas to us. We're out of them. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to have to go back to Hastings. This is going to yeah. be... Uh, <laughs> Can't wait to do a 75-minute deep dive into the Iced Bovo next week. <laughs> what about one for, like, sporting grounds? Well, yeah, we, sporting we, grounds we're, we're going to do Olympics soon, So, we, oh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, sporting grounds and... I want to do the races, too. Uh, whites, oh, Asians. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah. I don't know what it ranks. It's going to be a little dicey there, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got power uh, rankings. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> okay. Oh, we can't top that. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we can't put that in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we will. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.